0: Hello everyone and welcome to the Drupal Podcast. For a week nobody really saw coming when the season began. We only need to say four words right now and they are, the streak is over. It's not a dream, it actually happened and my name is Craig O'Donoghue from the West Australian Newspaper. And it's fair to say that this is something that no one had prepared for at the start of the year. The streak is over as four words, which I've heard before, and that was after WrestleMania 30, when The Undertaker's 21-year streak came to an end. But unlike that famous night, this one wasn't planned. Very, very similar from the crowd, though. It was shock, dismay, horror, silence, and then applause. People knew they had just witnessed history but they didn't want to be part of that history. So the 35 consecutive years' as finals participation is over, and now the review has started into what went wrong. This is a time when leaders can either step up and address their fans, or they can hide away in a bunker. Coach Scott Morrison and Captain Jesse Wagstaff both stepped up and attended the post-match press conference, Sports Entertainment Group CEO, Craig Hutchinson, also stepped up to do a number of interviews on Monday. And today we are lucky to have the General Manager of Basketball Operations, Danny Mills, joining us for the third time this season on the podcast. So, Danny, welcome to the Dribble Podcast. After what must have been a really tough 48 hours, I'm sure your fans are thankful for you for stepping up and answering a lot of the questions that will come today.
1: No, thanks, Craig. Thanks for having us. We um, certainly appreciate, obviously, everyone's support, but obviously yours as well. And, um, yeah, it's good to be here with you.
0: So you've had a series of meetings today. What were some of those biggest takeaways?
1: Yeah, we're just starting to digest. Um, obviously, the, the end of season review. We'll go through exit interviews with with obviously players over the next two days. Uh, Friday, I'll, I'll sit down with every every basketball operation staff individually. Um, Scott and I will will go through multiple things and um, we'll we'll start to. Uh, review kind of the season in general uh the highs and lows obviously there's been both it's been a very disruptive year and then and then we'll start to um, look at uh, decisions we made and maybe didn't make and things we did well and maybe didn't live up to and then use that as part of our a big part of our planning going into the 2022-23 20, season
0: so the biggest question from externally coming into the season was around the roster structure and there was an external expectation that you'd sign an import center after once you signed Bryce and Vic, and instead you went with a, a shooter in Michael Frazier at the time, you talked about the, the versatility that you had with the squad and the, and being positionless and following an NBA like model. Do you look back now and think that you got that decision wrong?
1: Um. I think we can look at it multiple ways. Yeah, there, there was definitely discussion at the start of the year, well, at the start of when I took the job and when we hired Scott of how we wanted to construct the roster. Obviously, we had, I think there was probably six or seven guys already contracted that we inherited, um, very talented players that we loved having. And then we and then we got to build and, and sign some other players. And obviously, signing Vic was, was a huge part of it. And then you had that third import spot. And um, what we were looking at was versatility, um, were there the type of bigs that are, are, are you know on the market that we wanted to get um, at that time? I would probably say there wasn't exactly what we wanted, so maybe we could have um, still gone that way and waited a little bit longer when Michael became available, and we wanted to play versatile basketball. Um, he was he was someone we we decided on um, and. Yeah, we can we can sit here now and be like, it it didn't work. We we didn't reach our goals, but we can also say that like when you saw Michael at his best, uh, he's a hell of a player. And so, you know, bringing in a new a new ownership group, uh, a new leadership structure, Scott, Mike Kelly, just a whole new group, and to have this implemented within. You know, basically, a month of Scott being physically on the ground before game one of the NBL season was a difficult task from day one, and um, it's it's not easy bringing in a new a new system after coming out of such a successful period of time, and. Um, there were ups and downs. I thought at, at times we looked like an unbelievable team on the court when everyone was firing and, you know, health came into it. And when we were healthy and had the whole roster available, I thought we were pretty looking pretty um, strong in a lot of areas. Um, and then there were times when we we didn't have the depth available due to injuries and, and other issues. And uh, we looked very ordinary. And, um, you know, coming back coming back to Perth after being on the road for 10, 10 weeks and just mentally, guys were, were really – really struggling and needed to get back although on record we went nine and five everything looked great i think under the tank there was probably a little bit of mental fatigue and nine straight home games as good as it looked on paper obviously didn't play out that way and you know to go three and six to go three and six in our last nine at home uh obviously underperformed and we we all own up to that it's it's on me as as a general manager it's on it's on our coaching staff and um that's these are all things that we're going to take into next season and and uh, and look to improve on.
0: So You mentioned not necessarily being able to get the type of big that you would have wanted if you went a big with that import. You'd you'd seen Michael playing with um, Philadelphia's. G League team where you obviously involved and Scott had seen him playing for America against Canada at different times as well. So so when you were making those assessments, having the devil you know versus the devil you don't know, is that a big thing when you're trying to decide, do we go this big who might not be okay or do we go the shooter who we know a lot about?
1: (laughs) Yeah, 100%. Obviously, um, when you've seen guys play live and studied them for a long time, and you feel comfortable with how their game would transition to, to the NBL, then um, I think comfortability probably factored into those decisions more than like maybe maybe taking a step back and being like, you know, where are we maybe weaker in position and what could we feel maybe with someone that's maybe more a little unknown but might feel a position of need. And so, yeah, these are all things that we're going to review. These are all things that, you know, as a um, as a GM and as a coaching staff, will we'll, – um, We'll, we'll look back and these are all things that are going to factor into decisions going forward you know this is this is year one it's not even year one like we're eight months into this journey and it's it's difficult don't get me wrong this is not what we envision this is not what the fans or the the red army or anyone deserves but this is professional sports sometimes things don't go your way and decisions get made and again like i said take full ownership of it and we'll be better we'll be better for it i can i can guarantee you that
0: so history in the NBL tells us that it's a defensive league. If you defend really well then you're going to play finals. In the last 5 years, if you look at the top 2 defensive teams, 8 of them over those 10 years have made uh, over those past 5 years, sorry, 8 of those 10 teams have played finals. If we run the comparison to offensively, only 3 of the 10 attacking um, best attacking teams have played finals. So did, the trends overseas changed to here obviously. Did you look more overseas at what you were Accustomed to seeing more than the Australian trends, and expected those overseas trends to come to Australia a bit quicker than what they have.
1: Yeah, in in a way, I guess you could say that. Like again, you pointed it out. Like I mean, we were number one in offense in the league, number six in defense, and so to, to really finish in that top two, you got to be one or two in both. Um, you know, that rating was third. Um, when you combine the both, but um, offensively, there were clearly no issues, um, you know, led the league in scoring. We had, you know, Bryce won his fourth straight scoring title. We had two of the top three scorers in the league. And so offensively, I mean, even without Vic the last two games, we were still really competitive with some two really good teams. And, you know, the last game we scored a hundred points. Um, so Yes, in general, focus going into next season will 100% be we have to get better defensively. Uh, that's on the glass. That's um, with, with how we want to play, how Scott's system is, and how I believe basketball um, should be played. And the way we want to play is, is is switching, having versatility, guys that can defend multiple positions. And those are things we're looking at right now in, in, in how we recruit going forward, 100%.
0: So the the chatter around Michael Frazier began probably mid-February, around the same time as the NBA COVID hardship rule ended and shortly before Russia invaded Ukraine. It took about a month's end for the club to find John Brown and try to to get him into into the country. Um, Was that a disruptive time, do you feel, for the players and for the coaching staff working out what the roster would look like, having both of them at times in the country and trying to manage what was a really difficult scenario?
1: Yeah, clearly, I mean, it definitely wasn't planned that way. We definitely didn't expect uh, John Brown's clearance to take 21 days from FIBA. That was not something we expected. Obviously, there was issues that maybe we could have foreseen with the whole players leaving Russia and how FIBA would react to that. Now, in in our situation, you would think someone leaving a a country that's um, invaded another and is clearly in an act of war, and he's terminated his contract legally using force majeure on his contract, that should have been a pretty clear letter of clearance approval from FIBA, and obviously that didn't happen, and we went through a whole process and missed the deadline. Yeah, I mean these are all again all learnings and this was this was a this was a swing and an elite talent. This was something that like the club wanted to do because John Brown was available and wanted to come to Perth. This wasn't something that like we were clearly clearly on the market, we had to just go get someone. This was someone that we targeted and he wanted to come here and I mean John Brown he's one of the best bigs outside the NBA, probably should be in the NBA um, at some capacity. He's he's, he's an old Euroleague uh, center and someone that would have been absolutely unbelievable in the NBL and Clearly, we were disappointed with how it played out, and obviously, the day we signed him was the day that that Michael pulled his hamstring in practice, and it wasn't – we were holding out Michael Frazier to get John Brown. It was like he literally was injured, and so there were just a lot, a lot of factors. Was it a distraction? Um, probably, yes. Um, are our guys professional enough to play through that? They were 100%. Um, You know, obviously, the 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 injury to Mitch. You know, these aren't these aren't excuses. We don't have excuses. These are reasons that that happened and probably led to kind of the downfall of our season. Um, But. You know, all of those things combined, the mental fatigue from coming off the road and being at home now, but being at home still in our own bubbles. You know, we're at practice and then straight home. There isn't any mixing. There's no, hey, let's get let's go out and have a family get together, a family day with the staff's family or in the players because we just couldn't do it, couldn't risk COVID. And so um all of those things combined and it just kind of spiraled and didn't stop.
0: John Brown actually Enjoyed being in Perth. Everyone I spoke to who'd spoken to him said he raved about what life was like in WA and was surprised when when he got here. Are you a chance to get him next season, do you reckon, based on the couple of weeks that he was here?
1: Uh, The longer this thing dragged on and the longer he was here um, and how much he loved it, like, for sure, we started using it as a recruiting pitch to him, like, hey, you know, (laughs) next year. But honestly, this is a guy that's going to make over a million dollars net next year in Europe. And so there's no, um, you know, conceivably financially, he's just not a fit in the NBA right now where he is at in his career. He can just make so much money overseas. But in saying that, I think it speaks volume about Perth as a city, Western Australia as a state and the Wildcats as an organization that like he came here and he played six years professionally overseas. It's a big loss and was just unbelievable is that the organization, how good our medical staff is, how great Scott and our coach are, and just the just the, the team camaraderie, the culture around the place. And then, you know, finally for a game live and seeing that the atmosphere at RAC Arena. Um, I think it speaks volumes about uh, what the club is and, and where we can take it to going forward.
0: So there's been a lot of talk about Scott Morrison and I'll say straight away that while I was the general who asked him whether his job was safe before the last round, that was more a reflection of the fact that the Wildcats have had 11 coaching changes during the 35 years of finals consecutive, consecutive final series and they've sacked coaches for losing grand finals. So for what it's worth, I think he's a very good coach who went through extreme adversity and a lot of people would have thrown their hands in the air and said, bugger this, I'm going home when they're in the same um, circumstances of being locked out of Australia for two months and then stuck in the state away from his family for nine weeks. How is he? Because uh, it was a tough, tough situation for anyone to be in privately, let alone professionally, and on, and in a public situation.
1: Yeah, it was it was extremely difficult for Scott and his family. Um, we really thank Suzanne and 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 his kids for um, the sacrifices they've made and and the sacrifice Scott has made to get down in <laughs> You know, makes um, this season a reality, and again, also for all the players and their families, especially their families. Like for them to be away for ten weeks, you know, they they made the season possible. Um, but going back to Scott, like obviously, yeah, it was thrown to the fire um, when we a lot of candidates in the offseason, Obviously, that the, the big one of the one of the talking points was this the streak of the organization, the playoff streak, and the success of it, and carrying on that legacy. And it was no easy feat. And obviously, I think a lot of people have talked about it, the guy. Coming in to follow uh, what has been built here. Um, it was gonna be, it was gonna be hard. And I thought, Scott handled himself unbelievably well he's an unbelievable coach um there were probably some things um that he would maybe maybe regret talking about in the media maybe his i think his dry sense of humor uh canadian you know sarcasm probably didn't come across well in sound bites and some of those last you know you you mentioned asking about his contract status after after six months in the league it's it's difficult and um yeah there's there's things that We'll we'll sit down this offseason and go through and 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 he's in a learning phase as well. I mean, he's he's a head coach again for the first time and and having to front the media for everything. Like, and there were probably the mistakes made on my end that maybe we could have taken some of that pressure off of him when things were starting to spiral and there were questions being asked. And honestly, as a coach, probably he probably shouldn't have to answer that. But in this position and at, at a club like this, it is in my opinion easily one of the best outside of the nba globally and and a a job that's coveted um yeah these are things that that he'll work that he'll work on and like i said by the last nine games um we were playing unbelievable basketball we were 13 and 6 coming home we'd won nine and five on the road six straight and um you know there were things that happened Injury-wise and and, and and others that, you know, he had to shift his game plan. You just look what he had to do these last two games. Without Vic, you had a top three scorer in the league go down and then you've got to shift your game plan within three or four days and, and you know, try to try to win those last two games with all the pressure on. So um, I think for him, massive learning environment, same for myself, same for ownership and our leadership structure here. It's, it's all been a massive learning experience and something that we're just going to get better from.
0: What about culturally – for him and for you for coming back, I suppose. Australian sports so different to the US. We are clubs; they are franchises. We have a membership model; they are a private ownership of billionaires. Run, um, you can't really see sponsorships on NBA uniforms. They're plastered all all over our gear. They wear suits; we wear polos. They fly private; we fly commercial. Like it, it's it's a different world altogether. And we talk a lot about club values and things that aren't really. We're, we're more team-oriented, whereas America is more individual-oriented. Is that a difficult situation to get your head around, do you reckon, when you're coming into history of the club being so important and the way it's spoken about and, and the pressure from that? Is that difficult, do you reckon, for anyone to get their head around when they've just come for the first time?
1: Oh, 100%. And, and, and again, you, you revert back to, like, Scott being hired and then the two months of trying to get in the country. He missed two months of pre-season of being on the floor and – Able to immerse himself into the culture of the club, into Australian sport. Um, Then you also think about the history. You know, it's the 40th anniversary of the Perth Wildcats this year, and Scott wasn't able to meet anyone. He wasn't able to of Ricky Grace, former coaches Alan Black, Dr. Adrian Hurley. Like he couldn't because of COVID. And so these are all things that I think would have helped immerse him and maybe realize that, like, okay, I've got to adapt a little bit from an NBA lifestyle that I was living and coaching in and a bubble that you were in to this is Australian sport and culture is, is, is king. It really is. And and, and it rules the day. And, um, players will come and go coaches will come and go gms will come and go but the club's always going to be here and you want those values to continue and obviously this club has has special culture and tradition and winning and we all want to be part of it that's why we're here that's why we took these jobs and that's why and we're, we're very fortunate to be in these positions and we don't take that lightly and i know scott doesn't i, I can tell you 100 i don't um then the pressure on us is is massive and we want to succeed we want to We want to win obviously for the fan base and and the red army but we also want to do it for the players that are here and putting in the the effort day in day out and so it's um when when you don't live up to those expectations of playing finals basketball it's going to hurt it's going to hurt watching tassie play melbourne and sydney play illawarra these are all teams that we know we're as good as that we beat um and so yeah this is just a big learning for us and a reality check and uh it's only going to make us better going forward
0: so when Scott signed, the club initially said it was a three-year term that he'd signed for, but Hutchie yesterday mentioned that just the club and Scott are committed for, for next year. Is it is it, a, is it a two-year deal plus an option for either side? Is that, is that how it was actually done rather than the, the full guaranteed three years for both sides?
1: Yeah, so obviously, yeah. So three-year deal and then there's there's um, there's um options on either end on the third year, yeah.
0: Okay, that, that, that will... That will Help people to understand what what was being referred to yesterday. So let, let's talk about next season. Bryce Cotton signed a three year deal at the start of the pandemic, but I understand that that third year isn't set in stone either. It's actually Bryce has an option as to whether to take up that next year. Do you expect him to be at the club next season?
1: Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, and we're in we're in deep discussions with Bryce and his and his representation. Um, Bryce is special, like obviously watching it from afar, from the States and seeing the success he's had in the league in six years is unbelievable. And to be able to step into a role like this and um, be around him day-to-day and watch him, watch him game in, game out in the professional he is, um, he's exactly the individual we want to build the club around on the court. Uh, we've got him and obviously Mitch North, um, Luke Travis, uh, Corey Sherville, all on the contract next year. We've got options on others. Um but uh, we feel like with Bryce, um, you know, he's in his prime. We we want him in Perth. Uh, we feel like he wants the same, and you know, we hope that it comes to an agreement very very shortly. And um, you know, we can continue continue on the success he's he's brought the he's brought the club.
0: So, do you need to lock that away quickly? Given if free agency gets to the point where you haven't actually signed him up on a long term deal, that other clubs could come and just offer stupid money to try to get him away from you.
1: I mean, yeah, that's been the negotiations for, for a while. So, I mean, that's clearly the club's intent. I think it's Bryce's intent. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, we, I mean, we're doing absolutely everything we can. I know Bryce is, is very fond of the club. He loves it here. Uh, he's making a life here. He's got, he's got a wife and a daughter and, um, we want him, we want him to be a wildcat for life. And, we we hope he feels, and we 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 feel he feels the same way, and um, we're excited about what's what the future holds with him uh, in in Wildcats Red.
0: So, how long could you sign him away for? How long could how, how many years could you, do you reckon is realistic to say? Here you go, stay here for for this line that he would agree to.
1: Yeah, so the NBL salary um, salary and contracting rules only allow you to sign guys for a maximum of three years. So that's obviously the, the the longest you can have him sign for, um, and so obviously uh, going forward, we hope we hope Bryce is here is here for for that amount and and then longer as long as he wants to be at the club. I mean, Bryce is always going to have have a role here.
0: Do you think you'll have Luke Travers next year, or is he likely to be in the US somewhere based on the knowledge that you've garnered from scouts who've been in the
1: country? Yeah, Luke's, Luke's had a lot of attention this year. It's been exciting. We've had probably 10 NBA teams travel to Perth and then multiple others watch the team when we were over East um, and, and talk to the staff and, and make inquiries about him. So he's, he's going to leave likely the end of this week and head to Los Angeles, Orange County and begin his pre-draft training. And then he'll go to different workouts with... Different teams in their own cities, um, and 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 look forward to hopefully getting drafted in the 2022 NBA draft. Um, with that being said, you know Luke's under contract with us next year, and the anticipation would be even if he is drafted that he's um, he's stashed here, he's kept in Perth for at least another year of development, uh, and that would be a perfect scenario. We feel for both where he could really continue to grow under under Scott and our coaching staff. I think he took some big strides this year. He had some really big games and. Um, we're really excited about Luke's future. And if it's not in the NBA, we um, we would absolutely love for Luke to be a, a long-term Wildcat. We wouldn't, wouldn't wouldn't want to go anywhere else. And um, we're excited for him. You know, Scott especially and, and then myself are hoping to, you know, guide him through this process along with his representation as he goes through the draft process, which is going to be – it's only going to help him long-term, whether he gets drafted or not. Um, this sort of stuff really opens your eyes to, you know, how good you can be in the, in the level of – uh, athlete and the level of play you have to get to to actually try and even compete at that level at the NBA level, and so we're we're really excited for Luke and uh, he has our uh, full support behind him as he as he heads off to the US.
0: What's the likelihood of a next star? Either way, regardless of whether he gets drafted or not, are you likely to have a next star on your on your roster next year?
1: Yeah, I think it's something we've always looked at. Um, would love to if, if it's the right fit. You know, we've talked about it. Perth is a Perth is a unique club um, in that. There's expectations to win. Um, you know, there's there's clubs around the league that can probably um, absorb these sorts of young talents and promise them minutes or starting positions, um, and just given where we're at as a club. Um, Not sure we're going to promise anything you have to come in and earn it and that's been the mantra from day one and um but in saying that there's going to be multiple opportunities whether it's draft and stash whether it's a um a a young kid that's draft eligible uh that we can bring in you know it does give you an extra roster spot it gives you a 12th spot that doesn't count against the salary cap so there are some advantages there uh, but it has to make sure it fits into one the character of the club and the character of the person we want to bring in, and two the capacity for us to actually absorb that type of a player um, and have them fit within the roles that we that we really need um, going into next year to you know to to kind of fill those weaknesses that we felt we had this year.
0: Do you see Vic as being a chance to remain in the NBL next season?
1: Yeah, I mean, just devastating news for Vic after such an unbelievable year. Um, he's been he's been such a great a great player for us and just a great person on and off the court. He's such a fantastic young man. Um, we would love Vic to be in Wildcats Red. Um, Vic's very talented and he's going to have a lot of opportunities, uh, whether it's in the NBA, whether it's in Europe, to potentially make money that we just couldn't match. But in saying that, like we'll do everything we can. We'll, we'll talk to Vic, we'll talk to his representation and see where his mind is at and what he wants to do. Um but, yeah, um, and if it, if it doesn't happen, we're very appreciative of, of Vic's one year here in Perth, and we're just so disappointed that it couldn't, um, couldn't you know, it just, it, it just didn't finish the way, you know, if he played 26 of the 28 games and the last two were, were the ones that we really needed, it's just unfortunate. But that's sport. It's reality of sport. Um, and, you know, we're in no different boat to the other nine teams. They all had injury issues as well. But, um, unfortunately, ours was just at the, at, at the in, inopportune time of the season.
0: And do you do a review of those, like the injuries were crazy when you look at how many you had, like were they avoidable or were they unavoidable do you think when you look back on the season in a totality?
1: that's yeah, a good question um, and in my this is obviously my first year here like understanding our medical staff and um, honestly just how elite these guys are Josh kavanaugh has been here for I think it is his ninth season eighth or ninth season uh, he's won three or four titles and then Dan Webster who's our full-time physiotherapist um, these guys are unbelievable like they're what they track the loads how they manage our guys Um practice days and, and guide Scott on minutes. Um, and just how their daily care of, of the players is, is really, really special. And it's something that we take a lot of pride in as, a, as a club and kind of use it as a recruiting tool as well, because it's not, this isn't something that happens generically across the NBL. I think we're at in an elite level of it with Dan and Josh. And, um, yeah, it's, it's obviously something that you review and we'll talk with them about. You know, obviously, we had preseason surgeries, three of them. Um, Corey Sherville missed the whole season. Unfortunately, he played maybe three or four games, just couldn't get healthy. Uh, obviously, Mitch uh, had – I think he missed 10 games during the year. Todd had off-season surgery, his first surgery in 13 seasons. Just freak freak things that happen. They're all part of sports. Uh, you got to make sure that your depth is, is enough to absorb that. Obviously, some of them you can't. You can't replace Vic Law. You can't replace Mitch Norton. But um, – you know, um, yeah, these happened at times that were just unavoidable. And, yeah, we we have full trust in our medical staff and, and, and what they do and, and how they're going to guide, guide player availability going forward.
0: And one last contractual sort of one. Um, Jesse, turns 36 this week. Um, is it his decision to make or how how tough is it at this point of when a bloke's at that, that, that age to, to make a decision about whether he goes on or whether he finishes up? Because I wouldn't have thought he'd want to finish up after... A low. I'd imagine he would always want to finish up on a high.
1: Yeah, I mean, what an unbelievable career Jesse's had, and, and such a such a great captain now of the club. Um, completely up to Jesse. I mean, we'll sit down on Thursday and his ex get his thoughts on it, and I'm sure he's just trying to wrap his head around this. This is the first time he hasn't made the playoffs, um, and so for him, I'm sure he's going to have a big decision to make. Um, we would love for him to to be around the club. Um, but honestly, we're not going to force his hand. Like he's, it's going to be up to him. You know, the last two years, I'm sure, have been taxing on him, not just physically, but mentally. You know, just being away. He's got three three young kids and a beautiful young family, and um, yeah, it's it's been. I know that's been difficult, and uh, I know he's got ambitions outside of basketball. But in saying that, he's 36, um, and it's completely completely up to him. You know, a guy like that, you want around your club in any capacity. Well,
0: Thank you for coming on here three times this year. If you'll indulge me for a second, thank you to everyone who made themselves available to be part of this podcast this season. In, in order of appearance from the Wildcats throughout the year, we'd like to thank Danny and Luke Travers, Mitch Norton, Richard Simkus, Kevin White, Matt Hodgson, Bryce Cotton, Vic Law, Todd Blanchfield, Jesse Wagstaff, Scott Morrison, Majuk Majuk and Michael Fraser II. Many of those appeared multiple times and some in pretty difficult circumstances. From the Perth Blinks, we thank Ryan Petrick and Lauren Scherf, Miranda Mabry, Brent Dawkins, Darcy Garbin, Ash Eisenbarger, Brad Robbins, Sammy Whitcomb, and Nat Burton, and to the former players and coaches and, and WA basketball is currently overseas, Trevor Gleeson, Anthony Gomes, Anthony Andy Stewart, Thomas Ajay, Nick Kay, Tanya Fisher, Katie Ebzeri, John Mooney and Amy Atwell. We appreciate them all coming on and hopefully you've all enjoyed hearing their stories and we have certainly enjoyed speaking to them all. Um, one last question for you, Danny, and that is who wins it? Do you care? Or will you watch? <laughs> <laughs> or are you just uh, broken and you can't be bothered even finding out?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously I'll watch. Um, yeah, mate. I if we're not in it, I could I could care less, honestly. Um, unbelievable story and congrats to all the four teams, but especially Tasmania. I mean, what a cool, cool story for a for a first first year franchise in the league to to make the playoffs. Um really cool and obviously they've got a few former Wildcats staffers and players on that on that squad and um, they they played extremely hard and um you know definitely played above their um you know I guess people would have gone into the season not 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 really thinking they had any chance of the playoffs and for them to stick with it and to win those final few games um yeah unbelievable job so congrats to them congrats to Melbourne City and Illawarra but um honestly mate like if we're not in it it's just we're focused on us we're focused on the next you know free agency period and heading into training camp which will start around mid August
0: well, look, as I said, thanks for coming on. Leaders have to step up in these occasions, and you've certainly all of your leaders have done so. So it's greatly appreciated. Uh, that's it for the Drill Podcast for this season. So remember, everyone, keep logged on to thewest.com.au for all your basketball news and pick up your copy of The West Australian. Thanks to Samantha Rogers for all of her production work this season. As I said, thank you to everyone who's come on. And we're we'll back next season for another episode and another series of the Drill Podcast.